Welcome to the first episode of Agni Rising. We're your hosts, Natasha Rachel of Holistic Herbal Wisdom and Kieran Kaur of Luna Kind. Two sisters inspired to come together to share the wisdom of astrology, Ayurveda, self-discovery, development and cultivating connection with the self. This episode is all about Agni, why we decided to name the podcast Agni Rising and what exactly is Agni. So let's begin by introducing ourselves and talking a little bit about our journey so far. So Natasha, why don't you kick us off? So I'm Natasha and I'm a herbalist aligned with Ayurveda and a yoga teacher. And my personal connection with herbalism began from a love of being in nature and a love of plants. When I was small, you'd always find me in the garden and I was fascinated by daisies and being amongst them and being, being in the grass became a little haven for me. And it was a space to feel kind of like an escape and feel at peace with myself. And this kind of cultivated itself into a love for land and Mother Earth. And it kind of inspired my choice of veganism as well. Um, I would always be playing in the earth, like getting my hands right in the ground, um, taking my shoes off. I'd never wear shoes in the garden. I really liked to feel that kind of energy. And I didn't really know what it was when I was small. I just really enjoyed being there. But as I grew older and I kind of reflect on it now, I realized that it was a deep connection to Mother Earth that really kept me in that space of peace. So why herbalism? So essentially herbalism is a natural way of living and it works with the natural intelligence of plants. Um, you may have heard before that certain plants look like the body parts that they help. Um, if you look closely at leaves or at the kind of lines or veins in the leaves, they can kind of resemble some elements of the lungs and you can tell that those may be things that help. And some of them that's related to the names of herbs like eyebright, for example, it eyebright is some a herb that specifically helps vision. So herbalism has this, like I said, a natural intelligence. It's it's a connection of being able to almost intuitively pick up on what each herb can help with. And Ayurveda is a form of herbalism, but like Chinese herbal medicine, it also exists on a subtle level. It incorporates elements and balance. And this is something I really love. I was really drawn to that because I believe that an individual's balance is the key to health and peace of mind. Unlike Western herbalism, Ayurveda does this through like a natural elemental balance of the individual and the seasons, stages of life, and even the hours of the day. It gets a bit more specific to each individual um, and kind of goes deeper into what's going on with their mind, body and spirit. You may have heard of the three doshas, vata, pitta and kapha. And those are three kind of elemental and almost compartmentalized characteristics and features of individuals that we all actually have, but we have in different um, balances or different um, amounts. And Ayurveda aims to really balance these out to keep us at peace. Yoga has always been a part of my upbringing, firstly through my family, but also through a love of physical movement and understanding how the body moves. Um, my aunt was a yoga teacher for ever since I could remember, and my first experience with yoga was very different to how I connect to it today. I struggled to let go and to fully commit to postures and breath work, and I think it was due to feeling silly or not really understanding what I was doing. And this kind of on reflection really shows me how growing up here in the West had really shaped my perception and my ego and my fears. When I came back to yoga, it was through injury and mental struggle. And I was kind of struggling with what success and happiness looked like for me. 
And this time my heart was open and I was looking for something different, but I understood what I needed and it was a deeper connection with myself. And that's what I felt that yoga brought me. So now as a herbalist studying Ayurveda and a yoga teacher, I really love that these are holistic healing modalities and I love to combine them and work with individuals. And not just on physical and mental health, but on self-development and cultivating a deeper relationship with the self through this mind-body connection. I also love to throw in the mix of science and the metaphysical and the spiritual and anatomy and kind of all the little compounds that exist in herbs. So I like to get a bit geeky with some of those things, but then also just be very free with some intuitive movement that I like to do. So that's a bit about me. Kieran, why don't you share your journey with us? So I'm Kieran Kaur. I'm a Vedic astrologer, a healer, a psychic medium, and an accessible yoga teacher. So my practices and the work that I do are very much a natural part of me, and they have developed through my personal experiences in life. And honestly, they've all come to me at a point when I've hit my lowest lows, when I've been really struggling with health. And my drive is really fueled by my own experiences of struggling with self-esteem, disconnect, illness and trauma and my practices and the work that I do have been a huge support on my journey and the biggest thing I've been able to do with that is use my experiences to the work that I do to support others so it's almost like all the amazing things that these practices have brought me I then am able to share that with other people. I've spent a lot of my life living in fear to the point where it very much controlled everything that I did or more to say everything that I didn't do and didn't allow myself to and it's interesting what fear can instill in you because once you hit rock bottom there is nothing to be afraid of because ultimately you feel like you've lost everything and so ultimately fear allowed me to be fearless without having any fear I was able to say yes to um, becoming a student of the things I offer for example with astrology Vedic astrology I wouldn't have had the confidence ever to pursue learning it and supporting people through Vedic astrology but it was getting to that point where I was so ill and couldn't do anything I was like you know I have to give this a try I have time now and really it's interesting how fear can propel us and move us forward in life So I was very fortunate and lucky to find a mentor when I started to learn Vedic astrology. Uh, My teacher who'd been um, teaching for about, who has and still for about 50, 60 years, suddenly decided they wanted to offer lessons and it was ultimately the perfect time. But now I know astrology, it very much fit in with what my uh, chart and the transits were saying. Studying and understanding my own birth chart really helped me to develop and strengthen my resiliency. I was able to find my way through lows and obstacles and tap into my strengths, which ultimately has allowed me to connect deeper to my spiritual practices. And in this way, astrology became a practice I used to support others and it allows me to empower others. As a healer, it took me quite a while to find where my healing flowed from in that sense, as I really felt the beginning many years ago, I tried to tap into practices that were accepted in the mainstream and so I really struggled with those because I felt like there was something missing there was a disconnect and what I realized was the disconnect came from not being able to connect these healing modalities to my inherent culture I'm very much connected and guided by my culture heritage and lineage I'm supported by my ancestors when I'm healing and so this took a while to develop 
trusting myself and in my abilities and just how I work intuitively allowed me to develop my own path in healing. And so the way I work is with mudras, nadis, the chakras, which are energy system, planetary energies, deities and my ancestors. And there's so much more that intertwines with this. Even with psychic mediumship, this was something that I had access to growing up as a child. And it wasn't only until I was much older that when I consciously decided to tap into it, I felt there was some sort of block. And so I was trying to seek out a way of strengthening these abilities. And I realized afterwards that the mistake I had made was not thinking that there was a a block, but I was the block in the sense that I felt like I had to learn something or I had to try something when really it was already there. So once again, it all came back to trusting myself, having that self-confidence and self-esteem and um, truly believing in myself and once I was ready to kind of shed all that fear and self-doubt it just flowed effortlessly for me. Equally yoga and meditation have really been an important part of my life and my practice and the way that I teach continues to grow and um, change through my focus on accessibility because accessibility is a huge priority to me having struggled to find places that were accessible, inclusive, that hold space for BIPOC. So it's really important for me to hold and and create a community that focuses on empowerment, connection to spirit, um, and really being seen and so you feel a sense of belonging. And so ultimately, my goal and my hope is to invite you into my space as I support you to lead from a place of joy, self-discovery and embodiment to reawaken that connection to self through the practices I offer. So let's talk a bit about Agni, which you may or may not know is a Sanskrit word for fire. So Kiran, in relation to your modalities and all the kind of things that you've talked about that you work with, how does Agni relate? I want to begin by talking about Agni, fire at its essence. Fire is action, it's our passion where we draw inspiration from it gives us the motivation and the willpower to go embodying strong fire often gives us this innate confidence we are able to take control and really lead whereas if your fire is under nurtured or you're not such a fiery person in that sense you could feel underconfident you can be hesitant, a bit stagnant. And there's the other side of fire of having a bit too much in that sense, because it can produce overconfidence, overbearing, having a large ego. So how do some of these attributes and a bit about what I've described about fire connect to astrology? Well, let's first look into the fire signs. We have Aries, we have Leo and Sagittarius. And by looking into the characteristics of these signs and seeing where they place in our chart or how many planets we have in these signs, we can start to understand how they work in a positive way and a not so positive way. So first looking at Aries, Aries people tend to be quite fiery. They are very dominant. They are very impulsive. They very much go for whatever they see, very bold, um, very blazon in their speech. And very ambitious people and passionate. They're all about like doing the thing, not so much thinking it's like go for it. 
on the other side of that, they can also tend to be quite impulsive and impatient. Sometimes ego can get out of control. So we can see how fire kind of manifests in two different ways here with the airy sign. Now moving on to Leo, Leo embodies fire in a slightly different way. Leo is all about being a leader. It's that kingly sign, so they have like having that status and almost being treated like a king. They are very courageous and very proud as well, like to support people, can be quite loyal um, and very much independent. They don't like to rely on too much, but they can also tap into that egotistical energy. If we think about the energy of being a king, um, you know they can kind of fall too much in flattery if people kind of fan their feathers too much it really like affects them in that sense and um, they can be quite dominating as well there's also an element of arrogance that can appear up and in terms of similar attributes to Aries there's that impatient impatientness and Leo people are very ambitious and sometimes this can really like take control if there ever such is a thing of being over ambitious and please know that I'm not trying to pull or drag any of the signs here. I'm just giving both ideas of with every every and any sign, there's all different attributes that we can see of slightly more positive and slightly negative, even though I try not to label them. And myself, I have a lot of um, fire, a lot of Leo and Sagittarius in my chart. So I definitely have experienced different energies, some of them that I have suggested here. So let's move on to Sagittarius. So Sagittarius are pretty much adventurers and wanderers. They are very open-minded. Sagittarians um, just want to know why. We are truth seekers. We are philosophical um, and enterprising as well. With Sagittarians as well, you get that very honest speech in terms of being quite blunt jokes that people um that we as Sagittarians might find funny but people take too personally so there's that mix in it as well and sometimes we can see the bigger picture a bit too big right and being a bit over the top with how we see things on the other side Sagittarius is we can't sit in one place too long we're very restless uh, we always want to investigate more and more and more can be quite stubborn with how we are sometimes and uh, a bit inconsistent as well. And so I invite you to take a look at your own chart. See what elements dominate um, your birth chart. For example, if you've got a lot of Sagittarius, Leo and Aries, as we've just mentioned, that's a lot of fire in your chart that comes out through your temperament, um, the way you express yourself, your personality, how you take action, things like that. Or sometimes some people have very much a balanced chart where it's equal all the way round. And we can't forget the importance of fiery planets such as the sun and the planet Mars and how they also take shape in our birth charts and what signs they're in and what houses also tells us where this fire energy is being directed and how which is flavoured by the sign. Now going a bit deeper, I want to talk to you about God Agni, or Lord Agni, God of Fire. And Lord Agni comes into astrology through its rulership over the nakshatra, which is a lunar mansion called Kritika Nakshatra. And Lord Agni rules over this nakshatra because of this connection to fire. The power of this nakshatra is to burn away to get to the truth to burn through negativity 
to burn away through illusion, which is Maya. This um, nakshatra is also transformative. And if you think about fire, that's what it is. It's a transformation. If we think about um, the phoenix rising through the ashes, the power that fire has the ability to burn through what we no longer need or what no longer serves us to almost get to this new place of being. Agni is the purifier. It allows for the burning of impurities. It's the sacred fire that we use in rituals and in ceremonies. It's the digestive fire within our stomach that helps us to digest food easily. It's the fire that helps to purify our mind. It's the fire that supports us in the process of cremation. Fire is has the ability to destroy and also has the ability to recreate in a sense. And if we think about that inner fire, by activating it, it energizes us. It gives us a sense of um, vitality, uh, insurgence in, in a way as well. It traps into our personal power, gives us that determination that we seek. And the idea of the digestive fire doesn't only link to food. It also suggests that by tapping into this fire, making it balanced, that we're able to digest things that we go through in life more easily, both physically and mentally, helps us to deal with our emotions, deal with negative or unhelpful thought patterns. And with that, Natasha is going to share her connection to Agni with us in relation to her work and also talk to us a bit about balancing our fire. So in relation to Ayurveda, Agni is almost the central element of the modalities of healing. And similarly to what Kiran was talking about, um, Agni or fire is resembled by the Pitta Dosha. And the Pitta Dosha, it relates to things like action, um, flame, desire. But equally, it can be overheated. It can be overthinking. It has its balance. And in Ayurveda, like I said, we do talk all about how to balance. And even though it is represented by the Pitta Dosha, in terms of Agni and a fire for, a fuel for life or a fire for life, if you want, it is also impacted by the Vata and Kappa Doshas. So contrary to what you might have heard when it comes to the Doshas and uh, personal balance, which maybe we'll talk about in a whole nother episode, we may have a dominant Dosha. And usually a lot of us do when we're born. But in actual fact, we are made up of all three and all three in varying and different ways. So they can relate to the times of life uh, in terms of our ages. They can relate to the seasons. They can relate to even hours of the day. But now in relation to what we're talking about in terms of Agni and the fuel and the, and the kind of desire, we can relate this to the physical element of digestive fire. And that would mean the literal uh, almost digestive secretions and bile um, in the small intestine uh, that get produced, like the liver and the pancreas, all of those specific areas where food is taken into the body and then processed, so broken down to make it easier to assimilate. But also in relation to the way we digest thoughts, ideas, creativity, the way we our sensory perception takes in from the world is all related to Agni and the fire that we have um, of the mind, of the manas, for example. So when we kind of look at this in Ayurveda, we notice that one of the key features of the healing modalities or the thought of believing that 
um, where does health start? Where does disease start? Well, in Ayurvedic thought, we believe that everything begins in the gut, in the digestive element. So therefore, Agni and, and fire of, of digestion is the most important part. What does that mean? That means that usually when you are healing, um, you look first to the quality of the Agni, the quality of the digestive fire. And there are many ways to do this. More specifically, there are actually five forms of Pitta, five forms of Vata and five forms of Kapha, which if you get into them, really break down to find out what the cause of ailment in digestive fire is. However, for kind of like just an overview in this sense, in terms of it being the main kind of key element to healing or to finding what the um, ailment is in the body, you find that you must look to how the fire is produced. Now, there are various ways to balance this. You can need more enkindling, which is to add more fuel to the fire, or maybe you need to douse that out and make that flame a little cooler. And what you might notice in terms of, of situations or health issues is if your fire is too hot, you may experience heartburn. Some people may have IBS. You may be intolerant to certain hot, spicy, pungent foods. And in order to tone that down and to cool it out, you would need to have the opposite. So you would look to more copper cooling foods, maybe more sweet foods. Um, so that's how the elements work in that sense. But in terms of the mind, how do we balance that in terms of the mind? Well, for someone who has an overactive Agni in the brain or, or in the mind, for example, we relate this to the subtler doshas. And in those senses, it would be how are we digesting ideas? Are we getting anxious um, through overthinking? Are we trying to really push ourselves to work harder when we need some rest? So we can then look at that and think maybe we need to add a little bit more kapha action or maybe a little bit more vata action in the brain. That may be to meditate a bit more. That may be to relax and not have too much physical activity. And these are ways to balance the mind. Now, what is an underactive uh, pitta or uh, underactive fire of the mind? Well, it would be more relating to those vata or kapha elements. You aren't somebody who is, is feeling sparked or creative about anything. You aren't really taking in what's, what's happening around you through your sense organs, through touch, through smell, through taste, through sight, through hearing. Um, you may feel a bit more numb to what's going on. And that kind of dampens your personal fire because you're not having any input. You're not engaging with anything in order to create or be creative out of that. So... From all of that, you can tell that Agni is very multidimensional. It doesn't really have a singular definition, whether it be in its astrological form through the fire signs and through um, manas and the state of mind or energy or subtler energy or through the physical forms such as digestive fire and the action on, on the quality of digestion. Um, it really does impact all aspects of life especially that element of personal desire and personal power. So that explains Agni, but why rising? Heat rises. As things rise up within us, it gives us the power and the energy to manifest things, create things, um, pull things out of the trenches. 
And as we explained earlier in the podcast a bit about our journeys, both of our journeys, though quite different, have been a form of transformation. And that's really why we connect to the word Agni rising, because it is all about rising from those ashes, rising from the heat and recreating something. As I mentioned earlier, fire has the power to um, end things, to cause death, but it's also able to give rebirth. Ultimately, it comes down to what are you going to do with this fire? Are you going to fan the flames and allow them to support you in conquering and mastering whatever it is you want to do or give to the world? Or is this fire going to be dampened? Is it just going to remain as a small spark and you just stay small in this space? Thank you for joining us for this first episode. It was really lovely to share with you a little bit about our journeys and what we want to create with this podcast. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in and we hope it's been helpful. I've been Natasha, one half of Agni Rising, and you can follow me on Instagram at Holistic Herbal Wisdom for more Ayurvedic and holistic herbal guidance. And I've been Kiran, the other half of Agni Rising. You can reach out to me for one-to-one astrology readings, healing sessions, as well as joining me at my group Moon Circles online. You can find me at lunakind.com. All of our links are in our show notes and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.